0: IN memoriam and, preface to nothing of importance, a record of eight months at the front, with a Welsh battalion, October 1915 to June 1916, by Bernard Adams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lee Smalley in memoriam bernard adams john bernard Pye adams was born on november fifteenth eighteen ninety at beckenham kent from his first school at clare house beckenham he obtained an entrance scholarship to malvern where he gained many classical and english prizes and became house prefect in december nineteen o eight he won an open classical scholarship at st john's college cambridge where he went into residence in October 1909. He was awarded in 1911 Sir William Brown's gold medals, open to the university, for a Greek epigram and a Latin ode, and in 1912 he won the medal for the Greek epigram again, and graduated with a first class in the classical tripos. In his fourth year he read economics. On leaving Cambridge, he was appointed by the India office to be warden and assistant educational Adviser at the Hostel for Indian Students at Cromwell Road, South Kensington. He threw himself, writes Dr. T. W. Arnold, C.I.E., Secretary of Indian Students, with the enthusiasm of his ardent nature into the various activities connected with 21 Cromwell Road, and endeared himself both to the Indian students and to his colleagues adams was always a quiet man but his high abilities despite his unobtrusiveness could not be altogether hidden and in london as in cambridge his intellect and his gift for friendship had their natural outcome mr e w mallet of the india office bears testimony to the very high value which we all set on his work he had great gifts of sympathy and character strength as well as kindliness influence as well as understanding and these qualities won him, in the rather difficult work in which he helped so loyally and well, a rare and noticeable measure of esteem. On his side he felt that the choice had been a right one. He liked his work, and he learned a great deal from it. His ultimate purpose was missionary work in India, and the London experience brought him into close touch with Indians from every part of India and of every religion. In November 1914 he joined up as lieutenant in the Welsh regiment with which these pages deal and he obtained a temporary captaincy in the following spring when he went out to the front in October nineteen fifteen he resumed his lieutenancy but was very shortly given charge of a company a position which he retained until he was wounded in june nineteen sixteen when he returned to england he only went out to the front again on january thirty first of this year In the afternoon of February 26th, he was wounded while leading his men in an attack, and died the following day in the field hospital. These few sentences record the bare landmarks of a career which, in the judgment of his friends, would have been noteworthy had it not been so prematurely cut short. For instance, here is what his friend, T. R. Glover, of St. John's, wrote in The Eagle, the St. John's College magazine, and elsewhere. Bernard Adams was my pupil during his classical days at St. John's, and we were brought into very close relations. He remains in my mind as one of the very best men I have ever had to teach, best in every way, in mind and soul and all his nature. He had a natural gift for writing, a natural habit of style. He wrote without artifice, and achieved the expression of what he thought and what he felt in language that was simple and direct and pleasing. A college prize essay of his of those days was printed in the eagle, volume twenty seven, pages forty seven to sixty, on Wordsworth's prelude. He was a man of the quiet and reserved kind who did not talk much, for whom, perhaps, writing was a more obvious form of utterance than speech. It was clear to those who knew him that he put conscience into his thinking. He was serious above all about religion and he was honest with himself. Other people will take religion at second hand. He was of another type. He thought things out quietly and clearly, and then decided. His choice of economics as a second subject at Cambridge was dictated by the feeling that it would prepare him for his life's work in the Christian ministry. There was little hope in it of much academic distinction, but that was not his object a man who had thought more of himself would have gone on with classics in the hope a very reasonable one of a fellowship adams was not working for his own advancement the quiet simple way in which without referring to it he dismissed academic distinction gives the measure of the man clear definite unselfish and devoted his ideal was service and he prepared for it at cambridge and with his indian students in london when the war came he had difficulties of decision as to the course he should pursue. Like others who had no gust for war, and no animosity against the enemy, he took a commission, not so much to fight against as to fight for, the principles at stake appealed to him, and with an inner reluctance against the whole business he went into it, once again the quiet, thought-out sacrifice. In this phase of his career, his characteristic conscientiousness was shown by the thoroughness and success with which he performed his military duties. He is a real loss to the regiment, wrote a senior officer. Everybody who knew him had a very high opinion of his military efficiency. As is so often the case, a quiet and reserved manner hid a brave heart. When it came to personal danger, he impressed men as being unconscious of it. I never met a man who displayed coolly more utter disregard for danger. And in this spirit he led his men against the enemy, and fell. From the last message that he gave the nurse for his people, tell them I'm all right. It is clear that he died with as quiet a mind and as surrendered a will as he lived. What we have lost who knew him, writes Mr. Glover, these lines may hint i do not think we really know the extent of our loss but we keep a great deal a very great deal quid quid ex illo abamimus quid quid mirati sumus manet mansurumque est yes that is true and from the first my sorrow it may seem an odd confession was for those who were not known to him whose chance was lost for the work he was not to do for himself if ever a man lived his life it was he twenty-five or twenty-six years is not much perhaps as a rule but here it was life and it was lived to some purpose it told and it is not lost preface then said my friend what is this war like i ask you if it is this or that and you shake your head but you will not satisfy me with negatives I want to know the truth, what is it like? There was a long silence. Express that silence, that is what we want to hear. The mask of glory, I said, has been stripped from the face of war. And we are fighting the better for that, continued my friend. You see that? I exclaimed, but of course you do, we know it, and you at home know it, and you want to know the truth? Of course, was the reply. I do not say that what you have read is not true," I said, but I do say that I have read nothing that gives a complete or proportioned picture. I have not yet found a perfect simile for this war, but the nearest I can think of is that of a pack of cards. Life in this war is a series of events so utterly different and disconnected, that the effect upon the actor, in the midst of them, is like receiving a hand of cards from an invisible dealer. There are four suits in the pack. Spades represent the dullness, mud, weariness, and sordidness. Clubs stand for another side, the humour, the cheerfulness, the jollity, and good fellowship. In diamonds I see the glitter of excitement and adventure. Hearts are the tragic suit of agony, horror, and death. And to each man the invisible dealer gives a succession of cards. Sometimes they seem all black sometimes they are red and black alternately and at times they come red 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 and at the end is the ace of hearts i understand said my friend and now tell me your hand it was a long hand i replied i think i had better try and write it down in a book i have never written a book i wonder how it would pan out at first my hand was chiefly black with a sprinkling of diamonds Later I received more diamonds, but the hearts began to come as well. At last the hearts seemed to be squeezing out the clubs and diamonds. There were always plenty of spades. There was another silence. There was one phrase, I resumed, in the daily communiques that used to strike us rather out there. It was, nothing of importance to record on the rest of the front. I believe that a hundred years hence this phrase will be repeated in the history books. There will be a passage like this. Save for the gigantic effort of Germany to break through the French lines at Verdun, nothing of importance occurred on the Western Front between September 1915 and the opening of the Somme offensive in the 1st of July 1916. And this will be believed, unless men have learned to read history aright by then for the river of history is full of waterfalls that attract the day excursionist, such as battles and laws and the deaths of kings whereas the spirit of the river is not in the waterfalls there are men who were wounded in the somme battle who had only seen a few weeks of war i have yet to see a waterfall but i have learned something of the spirit of the deep river in eight months of nothing of importance this then is the book that i have written it is the spirit of the war as it came to me first in big incoherent impressions later as a more intelligible whole perhaps it will seem that the first chapters are somewhat light in tone and inclined to gloss over the terrible side of war but that is just what happens At first, the interest and adventure are paramount, and it is only after a time, only after all the novelty has worn away, that one gets the real proportion. If the first chapters do not bite deep, remember that this was my experience. This book does not claim to be always sensational or thrilling. One claim only I make for it. From end to end, it is the truth. The events recorded are real and true in every detail, I have nowhere exaggerated, for in this war there is nothing more terrible than the truth. All the persons mentioned are also real, though I have thought it better to give them pseudonyms. January 1917 END OF NOTHING OF IMPORTANCE AND PREFACE